And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Wait a minute. You're supposed to poop in a toilet facing out? But I thought you sit on the toilet this way. So you have that nice little shelf for your comic book and your chocolate milk? Well, because then you got the flusher right here. No? Oh, geez, that's embarrassing. To the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, June 4th. This is the Drop Podcast. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, a guy who has so much blood, he does know what to do with it. Tass Mellis, what's up, T? What's up, everybody? Got my Top Shot Hot Boy and fellow freak, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo! Hey, hey yo! The International Man of Mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. <laughs> and last, certainly not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live on YouTube. Smash that like button, leave your comments, and subscribe. I don't know. Last I checked, we were less than 600 subscribers away from 40K. Can we do it this weekend? <laughs> Been saying it for the last month. Let's cross our fingers and get 600 more people to subscribe. Uh, send in your questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin' podcast. You can always email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com, or you can tweet them in, at nodunksinc, I-N-C. Finally, go grab your sweet No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. T-shirts and hoodies and shorts and coffee mugs, we've got it all. Okay, action-packed drop podcast here on a Friday. Bunch of series to look ahead to here in the second round. Got three of them, in fact. Bit of a surprise with two of them ending last night. Let's do a quick recap of those Western Conference games last night, and then we'll get into the Suns Nuggets, and then we'll move to the Eastern Conference series and preview and predict those. But yeah, Devin Booker erupting for 47 points as the Suns eliminate the Lakers in Game 6. A bit of a shocker, Tass. Uh, it was sort of, well, I get over in a hurry. I mean, Phoenix came out and punched the Lakers in the mouth, and the Anthony Davis injury came into play very early, and it was, it was over. The Phoenix Suns, all grown up. <laughs> they came into Los Angeles and showed they weren't afraid. Their defense was looking great, and then Anthony Davis goes out five minutes in with that groin injury, and that incredible Suns defense just did not let up, and LeBron was not enough to overcome everything that the Suns are right now, including you know Jay Crowder, who has hit his Miami Heat-type streak from last year, hitting six threes, and Devin Booker feeling oh-so-frickin' confident. Now, it took him a few games in this series, but dropping 47, doing the Trey Young-like shoulder shrug at the end of the game, I'm pretty sure he was watching Trey Young end a series in Madison Square Garden the night before. Then he goes into L.A. and does it. And uh, they didn't need Chris Paul to be at full strength. Mm -hmm. Can you freaking believe that? I think they do need Chris Paul. We'll talk about that later on when we preview Suns and Nuggets. Uh, but all that to say, man, this freaking team uh, absolutely knows their roles. Devin Booker uh, had to be 
a superstar in this series, and he ended up being the best player in this series, in a series with freaking LeBron James uh, and Anthony Davis, who obviously uh, was not himself and everyone questioning, should he have been out there? But it's all about the Suns for me. We talk enough, I think, about uh, LeBron and his legacy. And then you saw LeBron uh, hand over his jersey after the game, post-game locker room, signs his jersey for Devin Booker, who, yeah, is is just feeling Oh, so freaking good. And his first playoff run, man, he, he doesn't seem like it's his first playoff run the way he's, uh, he's, he's feeling it. 47. I, I, I know we just say numbers all the time, but 47. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, 22 in the first quarter alone. Hit eight three-pointers. He was cooking the Lakers in the mid-range game. Uh, they just came out and just attacked Trey, like right from the jump. I like how they attacked Anthony Davis even. They're like, oh, oh he's going to play? Hmm. All right, well, let's see if he can actually move laterally. And the answer was he couldn't. He had zero explosiveness, and that's why he was off after five or six minutes after he sort of re-aggravated the groin or whatever it was. Um, but that was smart by Monty Williams and Booker and CP3. Like, let's go at him, and, and Jay Crowder's going to be open here uh, because AD probably can't get out there to get him. Yeah, what did you call it yesterday, Lee? A clinical elimination? Something along those lines. That's exactly what it was for the Suns. They saw Anthony Davis come out and say, let's see how that leg's working, buddy. It was not working, and the Suns took care of business. I don't know uh, what the final score ended up being in the first quarter, but when I first looked at the box score, it was 22-18, to 18, Devin Booker. And that's kind of, you just knew what the writing was on the wall for the Lakers last night. Shout out to the Suns, not letting them off the hook at all. If you come into a game and you see Anthony Davis, who was dominant in games two and three, you see he's not going to be able to play in game five. You see he's going to be limited in game six. Could have been easy for a young team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience to say, oh, we got this. This is going to be easy. That was not the case at all for Phoenix. They came out, smacked the Lakers right in the face. It was over after a quarter. Ended up being, what, uh, I guess 22 to 14 for the Lakers or uh, for Devin Booker, whatever it was in the first quarter. But incredible stuff. Uh, the Lakers just weren't close. They didn't get contributions from any of their role players. They just seemed to know that they were drawn dead once Anthony Davis wasn't going to be at full strength. And LeBron wasn't enough to uh, to lift the Lakers over the Suns. Impre- impressive win for Phoenix. Great series for them. Yeah, for the first time, a team led by LeBron Lely has been eliminated in the first round. It's Devin Booker, the Kingslayer here, which uh, I'm excited about. I do love that. I love a Booker man. Um, but yeah, what do you think about LeBron overall in this game? Like, it wasn't LeBron we've obviously seen in the past, that killer, uh, you know, look in his eyes, attack, attack, attack. What, what, what happened? Did he just like sort of know he was uh, outmanned? Did he just like, is he exhausted? Do we give him the excuse of the ankle? What did you think of his game, at least in this one? Well, a little bit of all of that. I mean, but the Suns did come out from this start of this game and, and took control. So LeBron was playing catch up. And when Anthony Davis was out, as we've seen at other times in this series, the, that offense, if it's not coming from LeBron, it really you're wondering who it is gonna, uh, who's going to generate it. And LeBron has to do so much for that team. He ended up playing 41 minutes last night. And, you know, it, it wasn't close, but it got to 10 with about mm-hmm. eight minutes to go yep. there. And, the, and it, just like it was in game four there on Sunday in Los Angeles, it was like, what happens now? Because this team is inexperienced, apart from, of course, Chris Paul out there. But that didn't, the Suns didn't give it up. And I think uh, crucially here as well for uh, Monty Williams, Devin Booker played 46 minutes. He didn't at any point sort of look ahead to the next series and say, I want to get my guy out in case he gets injured or rest him. It's like, no, you, you've got to kill the Lakers now while you get the chance. And yeah. I think that's what's the most impressive thing for me about this. And the Phoenix Suns, they were down 2-1 in this series, you know, and it looked like 
Perhaps they were going to get overrun because of the injury to Chris Paul and because the Lakers had seemed to found their groove, but that didn't happen. Of course, the injury to Anthony Davis has a, has an impact on that, but that's not to take anything away from Phoenix. They won this game last night. This, this wasn't like the Lakers had no uh, power at all. I mean, they've still got LeBron James, and any time LeBron's on the court, his team is, is usually the favorite, but... Um, that's what really was for me. Jay Crowder started hitting threes again. He goes through these phases, you know. He can hit threes and then he can go cold for a few games. But he didn't do that. And so that's what I think the Suns take out of this is this wasn't in any way a hollow victory because of the Anthony Davis injury. It wasn't in any way something that you can say, well, they got lucky at any time. They won this series. They were in a battle in this series. They trailed in this series. They lost home court and they fought back. And it really was their their young star, their franchise star, who stood up the most here in Game 6. And again, I think he was 6 for 6 in that first quarter. Could not miss. That step back over Anthony Davis early was just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And then once those three started falling, they built that lead and didn't really surrender it. I mean, you knew the Lakers were going to make a push, as I mentioned, but the Suns still had enough in their uh, game to, to make sure they closed this out and didn't give LeBron even just a sniff, even just a chance to maybe extend it to overtime or to win this game. So super impressed on all counts here from the Phoenix Suns and, uh, they go into the next series and should feel very, very confident with themselves. Yeah, I just love how defensively they did play LeBron because I think they just look at the rest of the Lakers roster, especially with a hobbled AD or when he wasn't even out there, and they go, well, who's going to beat us? There's not a great a bunch of shooters on this team. Like a LeBron team usually, at the least in the playoff series, if you go back and look at all his squads, he usually has one like knockout three-point shooter, at least one, sometimes two, where it's like, well, we can't load up too much on LeBron because he's just going to pick us apart to this one particular guy who's you know going to shoot 50 or 60% from three. Task, we know this as Raptors fans. We saw the Raptors load up on LeBron in playoff series many times, and who was it? It was like J.R. Smith just torching them with wide open three after wide open three. You know, Mike Miller comes to mind, of course. Like I said, JR, even Bubble KCP last year was that guy uh, that was sort of like their best sort of three-point shooter. But in this series, Schroeder, 8 for 26 from three. Wesley Matthews, your boy, 7 for 25. Kuzma, 4 for 23. An injured KCP, only 4 of 19. And Caruso, 5 of 17. So, like, it was just a great game plan, I think, from the Suns. And they had the defensive guys in Crowder and Bridges. And just like everybody could lock in, zero in a little bit, wall off to some extent LeBron, who, yeah, he's got the ankle sprain, is obviously old and has a lot of mileage on his legs. And that's the way to play it. Try to make these other guys beat him. They couldn't. Like their best shooter was Marc Gasol, Tass. And, you know, we know he's not going to let 10 three-pointers go. Yeah, exactly. So, well, great game plan. And, you know, so, to some extent, once AD's out of the equation here, they just don't have the roster, I think, that we've seen work time and time again with a LeBron team, which is to have as many shooters as possible around them, in my opinion. Yeah, those guys didn't come through. In last year's roster, that was a championship-winning roster. Was it all that different? No, but I mean, they just hit shots. Yeah, Ron, uh, exactly. But, Rondo was hitting shots. KCP was hitting shots. Yeah, yeah for sure. KCP was a big difference. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, the, the they tried here in desperation. The center moved going from Andre Drummond to Marcus Gasol here to try and open up the floor. That was definitely the game plan. Mm -hmm. uh, but, if yeah, if you look at them, you if you look at a defense against LeBron, you usually see it shrink, expand, shrink, expand, and go out to those three-point shooters. It was just shrunk in this series. It was just it, They were just able to build a wall, and LeBron was not barreling through it for most of the series. We saw it happen, you know, from game two to game three. I felt like LeBron was coming on, but then it went back to LeBron not really driving the same way. And yeah, the Lakers were not able to open up that defense to make them expand. 
I know we, you know, it, it's it's uh, kind of pointless putting a blame on one guy because this is a team experience here. But Dennis Schroeder was signed to be the third best offensive player. That's what he was supposed to be. And he was supposed to take pressure off. Like last year, uh, they went from, you know, being a really great defensive unit. And again, they're they somehow able to carry that on. But they decided, you know, maybe we need a little bit of offense. So they go out and get Dennis Schroeder, who has wanted to be a number one offensive player in the NBA. He's, he's had that issue in, in Atlanta. He looked really good in OKC's playoff run last year. And even though the numbers actually are, are fairly similar to last year, uh, when he was with Chris Paul and he didn't have the gravity of a LeBron James or Anthony Davis at times, he just didn't perform. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't. Uh, he, the 14 points per game was not enough. And uh, I, I'm... I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm 50-50 as to whether or not he comes back. This was not a good run. He said all the right things afterwards. He says, if we bring back our guys, we're going to go on a championship run uh, <laughs> next year. He took the uh, the description of his profile away. He took off took off PG of the Los Angeles Lakers away from his profile, <laughs> if anything is to be made of that crap. Uh, but it, it is surprising. It is shocking. All the guys saying the right things. And Anthony Davis as well. He said after this game, I got to be on the floor. <laughs> and obviously it's clear. It's on me. I wasn't on the floor. I don't agree that the best ability is availability. But for Anthony Davis, sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. And Trey said it before the series. He's not on the floor at all times. Uh, I expected him to be on the floor. And obviously that was a, a part of it. So there's, there's blame to go around with the Lakers. Uh, but obviously, emotionally, they were just... Kind of done after AD went down to get spanked like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we can do a deep dive on what the Lakers should do in the offseason, who should come back, who they should target, what they can even do uh, with their team uh, currently constructed as it is. We got lots of time to do that, but let's keep it going because let's go to the other game from last night. It was a lot of fun. Jokic, with the MVP performance, he helps down the Blazers in six games. We thought it was going seven. The Joker said no, especially in the third quarter, Trey. And, yeah, uh, y'all thought it was going seven. Yeah, I did not. Did I've, yeah. I've seen Jokic be the best player in the league for the whole season. I was not too worried in this one, but things were looking good for Portland for a while. They were up 14 points in the third quarter. Jokic did not have a great first half, only scored nine points on seven shots through the first 24 minutes. And most importantly, at halftime, Yusuf Nurkic had zero personal fouls. Then over the course of five minutes in the third quarter, Nurkic picked up a quick four-pack of fouls, three of them drawn by Jokic. The next one was a charge. Uh Uh-oh. Suddenly 20 points in the third quarter for Nikola Jokic. Monte Morris hit a buzzer beater to end the third quarter. It was a three-point lead for Portland at that point, heading into the fourth quarter. But Denver had all the momentum. Their bench kept chipping into the lead by the time Jokic finally comes back in the fourth quarter. It's a one-point game, but you could tell that Portland just did not have it at that point. Jokic immediately hits a three to put Denver up. They never trailed again. Good night, Blazers. Incredible game, though, for Jokic. 36 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. He had at least 34 in every game of this series, except for game four when Michael Malone called the entire team out for playing soft, but I think the second star for the Nuggets last night has to be Monte Morris. 22 points, nine assists. In the fourth quarter, he had nine points, three assists. He hit that huge buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. Big for morale. A huge win for the Nuggets to pull this off, but a bummer ending to the season for Portland. Fully healthy, at home. They lost to a team missing two starters. 
really felt like the last time we're going to see this Blazers team. Mm. Yep, it, it does feel like that, Lee. That I was mean, a bad loss. And, and yeah, bad loss, and of course, should have should have got some help for Lillard there in Game 5, and you know, you win that, and it's a completely different series. Man, yeah, Morris and Jokic picking, rolling their ass to death there in the fourth. It was the same play over and over again, and the Blazers, you know, they just have no defense, as they've shown uh, sort of time and time again. But, yeah, it was shocking. Looked like the Blazers were like, yeah, we're going to Game 7. You know, yeah. like it's always playing Game 7 series, and it looked like it was going to go back to Denver. And then you said it there, Trey, breaking it down there with those uh, with the fouls, and then Jokic just taking over, too, and Lillard having nothing left in the tank in, in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, Lee, what do you think? Again, we, I don't, don't want to go, like, super long on what, yeah. where the Blazers go from here. Do, they, do, do we once again bring up the McCollum trade? You know, is Terry Stotts out? I know that's going to happen here. You're going to hear it on other podcasts. But what do you think about the game specifically here? Well, uh, Devin Booker, of course, was the star last night. But let's not forget Michael Porter had 22 points in that first quarter as well. Yeah. He was hitting everything. I think he only finished with 26 of the game. But that's okay because then your star took over in the fourth quarter there, Nikola Jokic. But when it was that 14-point game in the third quarter, this had Game 7 written all over it. It's like there's no way Lillard's going out like this. But even you saw him in that fourth quarter when the lead late got to sort of six points and then eight points. Lillard was trying a few of those bombs that we know he's hit. He's hit him for so long in his career. But even he just seemed, the legs just seemed a little bit heavy and they weren't dropping and uh, and that's when you sort of knew it was over for good. So incredible resilience here shown by the Nuggets for this series because they did lose game one. And, and again, without Jamal Murray, I specifically thought that was going to catch up with them in the series because of their backcourt. But yeah, Monte Morris, I mean, in that fourth quarter was fantastic, driving inside when it was there or just feeding into Jokic. And, and we know Jokic can either finish or find a, a shooter on the perimeter there. So yeah, this has been a great run here from Denver. And for Portland... Uh, yeah, I, I think this team is going to look drastically different next season. Apart from Damian Lillard, I'd, I'd be surprised if you see uh, too many of those same faces back. I think they have to do some, uh, make some changes here because it's a good team. It's a good regular season team, but uh, it doesn't really go all that far in the playoffs. I know they made the conference finals a couple of years ago uh, against the Warriors before they got swept. But at this point, I think there's some changes needed because um, they were outplayed and Denver were fantastic. And, and Jokic, I mean, he's just so incredibly fun to watch because uh, he doesn't get rattled. He's got so much variety to his game. Uh, he complains a lot, like Doncic, every time there's a foul, he's got that, like that to the referee. But uh, but they're, they're a fun team, and I'm happy for Michael Malone. I, I really am happy for the Nuggets to, uh, to advance here. And uh, they haven't got a lot of time to prepare for their next round. They're going to be in for a tough one immediately against the Suns. Yeah, we'll start breaking that down in a second. But uh, Tass, any takeaways uh, from this game that, that jump out of you? Well, just narrative-wise, I'm happy that Jokic, the MVP, is moving on to the second round so everybody can shut up and que- about questioning him in general. Like, he's just an incredible player, and he's not the player that used to fade away at times in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Yeah, he had one subpar game, but every great player does. He was freaking phenomenal uh, throughout the entire series. And then on the other side, I think it's time for the Blazers to go to a, a real defensive-type center that's agile enough not to be pick and roll to death. I, I don't think it's the CJ McCollum move. I think it's just it's time to move on from Yusuf Nurkic and to get a real uh, a defensive guy that can cover everywhere. And not to put this on your, Nurkic, but when it's when you've got Lillard and McCollum in the backcourt, uh, you know, that's that's going to be the game plan is, is to try and beat them up, uh, trying to get by them, and they need better defense around them. They tried it this year with Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr., uh, who obviously wasn't really a part of the rotation there. Uh, but then, uh, you know, Nurkic is, is the backbone. You can't just pick and roll a team if they have got a really agile big. So it's time, I think, to, for them to move on from there. And 
he, his quote after the game wasn't uh, all that rosy about his uh, future in Portland. He was asked if he wanted to be in the right situation. He said, yeah, in the right situation, yes. What's the right situation? We'll see. I don't know yet because this is not it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, maybe he wants the ball more. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he can be Nikola Jokic after being his teammate for a long time in Denver. But it's, uh, they got to move on. They just, uh, it's, not, it's not his fault, but they've got to, if you've got an all-f- all-offensive backcourt, you need an all-defensive frontcourt for mm-hmm. me. I think the all-offensive backcourt is personally the problem. I think they stayed attached to C.J. McCollum for way too long. The Blazers are not a great team. Damian Lillard is incredible, and he's carried this team farther than a lot of players could. But, I mean, C.J. McCollum didn't outplay Michael Porter Jr., and we mm-hmm. thought that that was going to be the case coming into this series. We said maybe Michael Porter Jr. has got to score 25, 26 a game to be able to uh, to equal what C.J. McCollum did. C.J., you know, he was going giving you his 20 points a game. That's about it. Not a lot of impact in this well, series. Yeah, and then, I mean, it was it turned into, like, this duel, of course, between MVP Jokic and then this unbelievable Damian Lillard, like, for most part throughout the series. Um, but, you know, you saw time and time again, it felt like, Lily, you do need help. You need guys to hit some, like, timely shots at the very least. And, you know, Michael Porter Jr. catching on fire in the, in the first quarter was huge. But, like, Austin Rivers, another, like, sort of, like, classic dagger Rivers three late in this mm-hmm. game. Aaron Gordon yep. had one in the corner. Jermichael Green was, like grabbing huge offensive rebounds and making big plays. And it was just like, you just look at that, a little help for Jokic. That's all you need. You just need some timely help. And a lot of times I felt like in this series, be it McCollum, be it Norman Powell, they just came up when they had open looks to like, hey man, we need to stop the bleeding here or we need a big shot or a score here. And and Lillard really couldn't get that help more mm. times than not, I, I thought personally. But yeah, it's yeah. going to be, I, I expect it to be, I don't know how it couldn't be a Raptors-like sort of, uh, you know, a huge switch up here when they had DeRozan and Lowry and you just keep sort of uh, coming up short in playoff series. Like, you got to do something, be it the coach or, or probably probably moving one of them. But, but mm. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, Dame had a uh, cryptic sort of uh, Instagram message there last night as well. But, uh, I, look, if you're the Blazers, I think you say, listen, we're not trading Lillard unless he comes and says, I've been here for now, what, uh, 10 seasons, 11 seasons. I've given everything. I'd like to go somewhere else. And I think the Blazers should grant him that wish if that's what he does. But he, I don't think he's that type of guy. I think he'd rather just sort of stay there for now. And he doesn't want to be known as one of those guys who's asked, asked to be traded. I think starts with per, probably Terry Stotts. I think he's probably not coming back. He's yeah, been but there. some people say Lillard's loyalty to the Blazers organization and to Stotts specifically has kept Terry Stotts there for these years. And every year, Lillard says, no, he's the guy. He's fine. Yeah. He's, I love him as a coach. I mean, this could that could be an issue where ownership and the GM have to say I know you love him man I know you're like super loyal here but we got to try something else be it the yeah well the that's roster, that, yeah. That, that that you know uh, that's what you have to do if you're Neil O'Shea and you have to say okay well I can't sort of keep going down this path myself if we, we're not winning we have to make a change so um and and Lillard has power I think within that franchise like like that because he's been there for so long he's so loyal and he's so beloved as well in Portland so you, you're trying to not upset him but you also have to have a hard conversation and say we can't just keep making the first round and going out in the first round like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I think I think Stotts probably starts there, and then I think CJ is what they see they can get for him, uh, and obviously Nurkic as well. Because you know the funny thing, talk about those threes last night. Yeah, Austin Rivers hit a massive one. Aaron Gordon hit a massive one. And who had the chance for the Blazers down the other end? Norm Powell, and he absolutely Again. clunked it. Again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that that was the difference. Those sort of those margins that, that can really just alter a game uh, and ultimately a series, but. You know, uh, it's been good to watch the Blazers. They have sort of punched above their weight for a while now, but um, they've reached the point where it's like you, you can sort of see what the ceiling is for this group 
and they need to make some changes. Well, let's get to uh, the Suns Nuggets series. I'm very excited for this series. This is a two-three matchup. A little chalk there with those seeds going through. Let's start breaking it down. We'll make our predictions. What we like to do with these is, uh, you know, give you the keys to the series. Just so everybody knows, they had one of the most tightly contested season series of the year between them. Their three games were decided by an average margin of five points. One game went to overtime. Another game went to double overtime, uh, both on consecutive days, if you remember there, in Phoenix. Denver ultimately got the best of them in those extra frames, so they took the season series 2-1. Booker didn't play in one of the games, but... Game one, Nuggets-Suns, Monday night uh, on, at, uh, on TNT, the late game. So, Lee, why don't you get us started? What's your key to the series here between the Suns and the Nuggets? Well, uh, I'm going to start with the Nuggets backcourt because it did pretty well against the Blazers. We thought, or certainly you and I, Skeets, thought yeah. that was going to be a weakness. Uh, Lillard was huge. McCollum's numbers were good, but he just didn't have the impact. But now for the Nuggets starting backcourt of Austin Rivers and Faku Campazzo, it's going to be up against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Now, Monte Morris, as we talked about, he was probably the Nuggets' third best player in the series. And I wonder if Michael Malone considers starting him because I think he's the best scorer of those three out of Campasso and uh, Austin Rivers. Yeah. Um, and I, But either way, all three of them need to be really good. You know, can Austin Rivers win them a playoff? Austin Rivers <laughs> win them a playoff? Can Austin Rivers win them a playoff? He'll be. He will be. Because, listen, if he can do one quarter like that, that could be huge for the Nuggets because I do also think fatigue could play a factor here, mainly for the Nuggets. Because if you look at the four teams who made the conference finals in the bubbles, only the Nuggets remain. The Heat, Lakers, and Celtics won three games in the playoffs this season. And if you look at the knock-on effect of that, Pat Riley has said, everyone in Miami, we're taking a month off. We are just exhausted. Brad Stevens, no longer the coach in Boston. Danny Ainge has moved on. And LeBron, while he did play in the series against the Suns, he suffered the longest layoff of his career just before the playoffs. And Anthony Davis, of course, was injured there too. So I think there's some sort of a link there uh, and the Nuggets also already without their second best player in Jamal Murray coming off a tough six game series against the Blazers and they immediately go onto the road to play Phoenix. And apart from obviously Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, no one really um, uh, has that playoff experience. So I think that could play a factor here because you know that the Suns are going to be feeling great. And I know that having home court advantage is going to be huge, I think, in this series. And I think that could be a key here. So that backcourt for Denver has to be huge from the start. They can't afford to uh, they can't afford to get off to a slow start. And they've got to try to make Devin Booker and Chris Paul work on that defensive end. And again, I think maybe Monte Morris is a little bit better at just making Devin or, or Chris Paul work, whichever one it is. Uh, because if they can just get into their offensive flow, it makes it a lot harder, I think, for the Nuggets to keep up. So it's going to be a fascinating series. I think the Nuggets, um, obviously with Jokic there, have the uh, ultimately the best player currently mm-hmm. uh, in the series, but I just wonder if that backcourt will... They, they survived against the Blazers, but I didn't think outside of Lillard the Blazers were all that good. Will they be uh, able to sort of keep up again with these guys in Chris Paul and Jay Crowder? And then when guys coming off the bench, like, you know, whoever it is uh, there for the Phoenix Suns, just, again, keeping up the pace. So... Uh, that, I think, is the biggest question for the Nuggets. Again, when you start on the road, you've got to uh, get off to a good start, and, uh, and that's going to be the toughest part, I think, for the, uh, for the Nuggets coming off this tough series. Tass, what do you think? Key to the series. Well, I think it's going to be a pretty big jolt going from uh, the Blazers' defense to the Suns' <laughs> <Yeah>. defense. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, obviously— No defense Jok- to a defense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Jokic is going to score no matter what. He does, it doesn't matter if you're, you've got the, the best defense against him, the second best defense. I think, again, it's, uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see what Michael Porter Jr. can do because he was really good in the opening series. Mm-hmm. 19 points per game, 54 from the floor, 41 from three, 91 uh, from the free throw line. We saw the Suns were good enough uh, to beat a team with one star, you know, whether it's half a LeBron, half an Anthony Davis. But um, this is this is different. You got the one star in Jokic. You definitely need one to step up in Michael Porter Jr. Now, it's going to be different for him uh, because of Mikel Bridges coming at him uh, as a defensive guy. He's four inches shorter, Mikel Bridges is, uh, but... He's got a longer wingspan, yep. and I think that's going to really help uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, against Michael Porter Jr. It's weird. Uh, he's 6'6 against Michael Porter Jr., 6'10, but his 7'1 wingspan against Michael Porter Jr.'s 7-foot wingspan, that's going to be interesting to see him running around screens as Porter was able to do on Robert Covington or whoever was guarding him on the perimeter and score like a madman in, in quarter one there of game six. This is going to be fun to watch. Uh, so the Suns were able to keep the Lakers out of the paint uh, because they didn't have to go to th- the three-point line. But if Porter gets going, he can open things up for Jokic a bit. But that doesn't matter. He's going to score. More importantly, yeah, it's the driving lanes for Campazzo, Rivers, Monty Morris, and those Aaron Gordon cuts. I'm just concerned that this is finally the series that the Nuggets missed Jamal Murray, finally. Because in that season series uh, against the Suns, he was really big. Uh, but TBD, if yeah. Porter steps up, maybe they don't. Uh, they have a lot of players who are obviously thriving just because of the confidence of Nikola Jokic. Uh, all those guys I just mentioned, all those guards Lee just went through. And, and if, 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 if Porter steps up, which, you know, it's, it's a big question mark. Porter has made an incredible leap, got played off the floor last year in the bubble. He was, he was you know, sometimes in the rotation and sometimes not. Uh, now he's going to be asked to do a lot against a really good defense. Yeah, I mean, it will help. If Monte Morris continues to put up like 25 a game, which he basically did over the last two in that series, which is amazing. He had 28, right, in game five and then had uh, the 22 and, and the pick and roll in, uh, with Jokic, the, the Blazers, to death there in game six. Uh, he was awesome. Can he continue to do that? But, Trey, what are you watching? Uh, let's go talk some big men here, man. You're the big man of the group. What's happening Yeah, guards inside? are going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. I don't think uh, Phoenix is going to let Denver off the hook quite the way that Portland did. I think Campazzo is going to stay in the starting lineup with yeah. Austin Rivers, though. I think. Uh, they're going to use him on Chris Paul. That's going to be a hilarious <laughs> matchup to watch. Somebody's taking an elbow to the face by game three between those two. It's going to be very funny. And uh, honestly, with Chris Paul's health, I guess we'll see how he holds up. At least you're going to expect intangibles, defense, playmaking, veteranship, poise from Chris Paul. We'll see about the shooting. Uh, Booker is going to be Lillardy again. He's going to score points. There's no doubt about it. So to me, a lot of pressure on DeAndre Ayton in this one. Once again, he did incredible against the Lakers. 16 points, 11 rebounds a game, 80% field goal shooting, and the big number to me, 18 fouls in six games. That's great for DeAndre Ayton. He's going to need to do it again because he's the primary matchup for Nikola Jokic. Jokic, though, is healthy and balling. 33-10-5 in the series against Portland. 53% from the field, 43 from three, 92 from the line. And as we saw with Yusuf Nurkic, the guy draws fouls like a mug. (laughs) Aiton, though, he was awesome in round one. Great all year, but he was still outplayed by Anthony Davis in games two and three when Davis was really healthy. The Nuggets can win this series. The Nuggets can still win the championship. I don't know if you guys believe me yet. A massive Jokic series is coming unless Aiton can stay on the court and limit him a little bit because the Suns' backcourt is going to do it. The advantage for the Nuggets is inside. Jokic is going to ball out. 
Aiton has to do something to counteract it. Yeah, I always like catch myself thinking like, how do you guard Jokic? What's the best way to do it? Could you get like Don Nelsony with it and throw like a smaller Jay Crowder on him, like just get up in him, and then you're like, no, you can't. You can't do what you maybe used to be able to do to like a younger Dirk, where that's what they would do. You know, like be it a, a Stephen Jackson or a Matt Barnes, like a smaller guy, and just get way up on him and make him uncomfortable and try and like make him a playmaker. But you can't do it to Jokic because he's one probably the best passer in the league, and then two, he's just so huge. Like, if you threw a Crowder on him, he'd just put his ass in the basket. That's all he would do. He'd just back up, and he'd either be fouled, or he would just score, because he's just a monster. And that's, like, where he's obviously so much different than a Dirk, even though there are, there are some similarities just with their impact on a game. And we saw what Dirk did on uh, his own run to the finals there when he really had it going. But let's get to predictions, man. Lee, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm, yeah. loving, I'm taking what all you guys are saying right now. I haven't even made my official prediction. I don't have anything written down, because I want to hear what you guys said. As the experts here, I want to know where Trey was leaning, where you're leaning. What do you have? What's your prediction for Suns Nuggets? Ooh, this one is a tough one. Oh, here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because oh, yeah. I do think the Nuggets have the best player, but I think the Suns having home court advantage uh, gives them the edge in this one. And again, they were just super, super impressive in that first round. Obviously, the Nuggets were too. Um, so I just have a little bit more faith, I think, in collectively the defense of the Suns and the fact that, uh, you know, Devin Booker was incredible in his first playoff series. So I think it's a long one. I hope it's a long one, but I'm giving the tilt uh, to the Suns. Home court advantage, I say, is Phoenix in seven. Okay, Suns in seven. Uh, I wouldn't be angry with that type of series. Tass, what's your prediction? Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, it, it really is. I, I, I assume the Suns have been able to manage uh, Chris Paul's pain level and are able to keep him on the floor because, yeah, he doesn't have to score, obviously, like, like he didn't do against the Los Angeles Lakers, but he needs to be on the floor just to kind of keep Devin Booker in his role of off the ball and, and let him be a shooting guard. He gives the confidence to the rest of the guys. He allows campaign to come off the bench. So he doesn't have a huge burden on his shoulders, which is really important. Three days before game one, does that help Chris Paul? I guess. <laughs> yeah. But we have seen Chris Paul, you know, crumble and fall and, and be injured. Uh, frankly, you know, I just watched Anthony Davis do it. So it's can't get that out of my mind. At the same time, it seems like they've managed to do that. So that's really important. Uh, they are freaking tough as nails. That's why I want Chris Paul on the floor, just to, to keep that up on the floor. And, uh, yeah, the, the big man battle, uh, DeAndre Ayton being able to stay on the floor, they managed to do it. And uh, they managed to be able to to hold up even in Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky minutes. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think they play one-on-one with, with Nikola Jokic and don't let that the passing kill them. Don't let the Aaron Gordon cuts kill them. And uh, they managed to pull it out in a, uh, in a fight, in a scrap. Uh, I'll say seven as well because the Nuggets have to be mad respected. All right. So Suns and seven ultimately going yeah. with. Okay. Uh, Trey, you, you're going to run with the Nuggets? They go into the finals here, big guy? Well, they're going to the conference finals. Nuggets in six here. Uh, Jokic is unstoppable right now. He's been the best player in the league from the first month of the season. He's still been the best player in the league through the first two weeks of the playoffs. I don't see that stopping. Apparently, the stream team is saying Will Barton may be yeah. coming back. That would be huge for the Nuggets. I actually think they'll do a decent job of being able to match up uh, on the perimeter as well. Obviously, Aaron Gordon isn't going to start on Devin Booker, but surely he'll get a chance at some point. Like I said, Compazzo versus Chris Paul is going to be a hilarious matchup to watch, and I think you're going to be able to uh, you're going to be able to hide Michael Porter Jr. on defense a little bit. And then yeah, he's going to have a tough matchup trying to score against Mikael Bridges. But I'm a little bit of a Porter Jr. believer here, so give me the Nuggets in six. 
Okay, I'm going to hedge a little bit. I'm also going Nuggets, but I'm going to go Denver in seven. Uh, this will be the weird uh, seven-game series that Denver genuinely, or regularly, excuse me, plays in. I just think some things are going to maybe disappear here for the Suns a little bit. Is campaign going to like continue to like have like two or three monster games in this series? I mean, I guess it's possible, uh, but I'm going to bet against it. Uh, you know, Crowder, as we've talked about, the guy can like never miss or he can never hit a three. So maybe that comes back to earth a little bit. He was unbelievable there, of course, in game six. Ah, and just the Jokic factor. He is the best player in the series. And I think I'm ultimately that's what I'm coming down to as much as I love Devin Booker. Booker should have. I, I would assume some monster-like games in this series. Like, would you be shocked if we see a couple 40-plus, maybe even some 50-pluses against this Denver team? I wouldn't. I mean, we've seen it before from other stars in series against the Nuggets, uh, you know, last year and, of course, even last series with Lillard. So Booker's probably got that under his, uh, in his bag. But I'll go Denver in seven, um, but it's tight. It is tight. So Tass and Lee take Suns in seven. Trey Kirby's got Nuggets in six, and, I, and I'm hedging, like I said, and going Nuggets in seven, taking the road, uh, you know, rare, I guess, um, game seven win. All right, let's hear from you guys in the stream team. Your predictions, drop them below the YouTube video. Let's take a quick break, though, before we get over to our Eastern Conference semifinals predictions. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
I thought you were talking about your trapped wind, Lee. I thought you were saying I got to exit Tado because I got trapped wind here. I want to start like texting the guys before a big game, saying, "Are you guys horny for this game?" <laughs> I'm <laughs> super horny. I'm, I'm horny so for horny for these next uh, series we're about to break down here. I didn't even take any blue chews. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to them. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, we've got our two matchups. They are getting underway this weekend. We'll start with the Nets Bucks in the two three series there uh game one saturday night everybody 7 30 perfect horny time uh for everyone enjoying game one the bucks may have taken the season series two games to one but they have yet to see the nets of course big three at full strength because almost no one did uh except maybe the first round there let's get to the keys to the series and we'll make our predictions trey we're gonna start with you on this one um nets bucks what's the key to the series for you Oh, Skeets, I am muy excitado for this one. These two teams look so good in round one. Can't wait to see them smashing bodies excitado themselves. Do I make you excitado, baby? Yeah. Giannis, to me, is a problem that the Nets don't have an answer for. KD's going to get some turns for sure. Blake, perhaps. Nick Claxton, maybe. I think they'll miss Jeff Green a little bit. But really, the Nets don't have a Giannis stopper, obviously. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to help out on Giannis, whether that's doubling him when he has the ball down low, building a wall, just playing off him, kind of challenging him to shoot. They're going to do whatever they can to make other players on the Bucks beat them offensively. So it's imperative that the Bucks hit their threes because they got to keep up with the Nets scoring. Uh, Milwaukee finished fifth in percentage, fifth in makes from the three-point line this year. But the guy I'm looking at most interestedly in this series from a three-point shooting perspective, gotta be Pat Connaughton. Got the start for Dante DiVincenzo in game four against the Heat. He's my guess as the guy that's gonna be cracking the lineup as a starter in at least game one. More than likely, he starts on James Harden just because, you know, Pat Connaughton's kind of a quickish, strongish guy just like Harden. Maybe he can take some of the bumps, but he's definitely got the guy that the Nets are gonna challenge to make some shots. Shot 37% from three this year, a career high since he became a rotation player. You need that guy, not the one who shot 15% in the series against the Bucs last year. The question to me is how are the Bucs going to possibly keep up offensively with the Nets? It's got to be three-point shooting. So Connaughton's got to knock him down. P.J. Tucker's got to knock him down when he's in. Bobby Portis, you need to see a Bryn Forbes game. Basically, the Bucs have to shoot threes to win mm-hmm. this series. Fair Giannis is going to have to be a monster inside because he really wasn't against the Miami Heat, surprisingly, even though they got a sweep. Uh, He's got to be way, way better because, yeah, he does have an advantage inside. They shouldn't be able to stop him inside. But he only shot 45% from the floor against the Heat. That's a surprising number for Giannis Tetkupo, who should be able to dunk on everybody in that front lineup. And he took a lot of threes uh, against the Heat. He was only 6% from three. That wasn't uh, a typo. That's 6% Six? from three. Yeah. So um, inside, what the hell do the Nets do? Uh, obviously, uh, Kevin Durant is going to be his primary guy. But with, with Giannis, you always have a second guy there. And I, I think... Uh, if it's Blake Griffin starting, which is, is possible because they like that defensive able, ability to sort of rotate, uh, whether it's Nick Claxton, the young, young fella, or they dust off DeAndre Jordan, which isn't good for their rotations, or Bruce Brown. They really do miss Jeff Green, who isn't going to start mm-hmm. this uh, series, most likely with the plantar fascia problem. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you look at it, the Nets are going to put up 
a shit ton of points. That's just the way it is. It's just an incredible offense. So, yeah, they're going to have to hit threes, but Giannis has the big advantage inside. He's got to be a 40-point guy, I think, to, when, it, when it comes down to it for their wins anyways. Uh, the Nets are going to score 120, 130 points. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's definitely a worrisome thing from the, uh, from the outside, but also just Giannis has to, to go get it because the Bucks. Uh, I, I think they're just a, a tad overhyped right now because they did get they did get the big sweep, uh, but Miami was absolutely horrendous. Uh, after that, you know, the first game was a close game, and then you know three blowouts. Uh, but Miami just didn't know what the heck they were doing on offense. The Nets do, and the good thing is they've got great defensive matchups for the Nets that we'll get into. Uh, but offensively, they they. They're not playing the Heat anymore. They're going to have to put up uh, a lot of points on the offensive end. It starts with Giannis for me. Well, Giannis and uh, Durant had like uh, one of the best games of the year, didn't they? When they went like for 49, I think Giannis had in one of those games. And then I think Durant had a 40 plus in the same game, uh, just like shooting lights out. Do you think uh, Nash will put KD on Giannis to start the series, Tass? Or will it? They, we saw a lot of Blake on him, actually, like in those two of the last games that he got the. Uh, the matchup there to, to, you know, you're saving KD offensively a little bit. You don't want to get him to foul trouble and the pressure that Giannis could put on. Or do you just say, no, he's our best defender. Let's put him on it. Just like they did. The Bucks finally did putting Giannis on uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, Nash is a lot smarter than I am. So maybe he saves uh, Kevin Durant for later in the games mm-hmm. uh, because Giannis should be able to smoke Blake. Uh, he, he just has too much lateral speed. He's, he's longer. He's bigger. Kevin Durant just seems like the more natural matchup. John Hollinger brought up, a heck uh, of an idea with James Harden potentially guarding Yanis down low mm. uh, because he is such a stout guy. He is really good at guarding guys uh, in the post. And you look up <laughs> and down the roster. I mean, I threw all those names out there amongst the bigs. You got Kevin Durant, then Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green. James Harden makes some freaking sense, uh, and and you can definitely hide him. You know, you can take Harden off of Pat Connaughton or whoever, and uh, and throw him on on Yanis at times. I guess we're just gonna see, like every great player, a ton of people on Yanis. All basically all those names except DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he gets dusted off. But yeah, that's uh, that's a lot, man. It's yeah. a yeah. But at the same time, maybe they just score enough. Uh, to win regardless. <laughs> yeah, maybe they don't even talk about defense in the Nets locker room. They're like, who cares? Honestly, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll score enough. Uh, but, Lee, what's your key to the series? Yeah, well, look, I do think the Bucks are as well-equipped as any other team uh, to have players to put on the stars. Like, Giannis yep. athletically is big enough and strong enough to at least stick with KD. No one's stopping him. No one's going to you know shut him down. But at least he could be the most difficult matchup KD faces. And Drew Holiday is a really good defensive matchup for Kyrie Irving. He just plays him well. Uh, again, you're not stopping him. Kyrie's going to get his, but he could at least make it more difficult than anyone uh, Drew Holiday. But that just d- does leave James Harden. Who's that going to be? Is it going to be Pat Connaughton? Because it's either him or Chris Middleton. Uh, and that's really, I think, the biggest uh, problem here for the Bucks is, you know, you can... You know, look, that, that, that those big three can all go for 40 points easily, even in one game, potentially, if they had to. Um, and you just have to find a way to try to slow down at least one or two of them, uh, if you can. Middleton is, is going to cause uh, the Nets to work on the defensive end because he's been fantastic for them in that mid-range. But what sort of uh, effect can he have on stifling... James Harden, if he's on him, you know, or if it's Pat Connor, because James Harden, we know he can he can get inside. He's more than happy to play facilitator if he has to, but he's also going to be able to shoot and hit those step backs and go to the free throw line. So that's just a big, big problem, I think, here uh, for, for Milwaukee, because even as we saw in, in uh, the series 
for the Nets in the first round there against the Celtics. At times, you know, I think it was Kyrie only had uh, 15 points in one game now. They, they blew them out. But the point is, even if one of the big three doesn't go off, the other two still can. Uh, so you have to try to find a way to stop them. But I think the real key as well for the uh, Bucks is to get as many easy baskets as you can. And if it is Blake Griffin... Uh, then Giannis has to just go inside because you have to put pressure on that defense and, and not let uh, the Nets just not have to try on the defensive end. So that's where Giannis has to... I hope he puts the three-pointer away for this series. I hope he just goes inside and tries to take advantage of his athletical uh, advantage that he has if it is against Blake. And James Harden does have a fantastic... Um, Athletical, Athletical, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a great subscription to the Athletic. (laughs) Um, It sounds like the Spanish version of the Athletic. James Harden, uh, as a a body post-defender, I think that isn't actually the worst idea in the world. I think he can um, cause Giannis some problems. But I I think Giannis, if he sees Blake, he's like, right, I'm just going into the paint. If you're the net, you're like, you're going to hopefully try to draw some offensive fouls to get Giannis in trouble. But if it can work in the Bucks' favor, that's good. But uh, if not, then you do throw Kevin Durant on him if necessary. So... um, I see. Uh, I see. Just a, a few different. Uh, even though the Bucks' defense is good, again, there's just like it's like playing what's that whack a mole thing where it's like you can potentially whack a mole, whack a mole, You can potentially at least have good players, you know, to sort of stifle those other guys. But then you know someone else is going to pop up and score. So oh, okay, I was like, well, hold on. I was like, finish that analogy. Yeah, Aaron. yeah, <laughs> something, something. Okay, I have a question though for you, Lee. If, okay, Durant's Durant. Uh, yeah, Giannis is going to try and uh, block his shot again like we saw during the regular season and it blew everybody's minds. Like, whoa, I didn't even know that was possible. So That's okay. one of the funniest clips to me. He blocks his shot, but the Nets get three points on that yeah, possession. Yeah, yeah, like, it's sure. a three-pointer from the corner, and that's going to kind of be the story, isn't it? Like, you can stop a couple of guys. They've got three Hall of Famers out there. Plus, we haven't even mentioned Joe Harris yet. Yeah, yeah. Be interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he could easily hit uh, four or five threes in a, in a quarter and blow the game open. But I was going to say, okay, take KD out of the equation because, again, he's going to get 30. That's just what he does in every playoff series, it feels like. Who would you prefer, if you're game planning to try and slow the Nets, would you focus on stopping more, Harden or Kyrie? So, like, who is the, you know, the, 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 the straw that stirs the Nets' drink there? Like... If you had to just pick one, and I ask that because you say Drew Holiday will be on Kyrie, and I'm not so sure about that. If you believe Harden is actually the one that you sort of want to like really try and gum up and slow down because he wants to set up guys and stuff like that, and maybe you put actually Drew on James Harden to try and, and, and you know, prevent him from uh, you know, popping off and setting up guys left and right because Drew is an unbelievable defender and the best probably perimeter defender on the Bucks. And then you know, you're putting somebody else on a Kyrie. It's going to be a tough matchup, but you know, a Middleton, a Constant, stuff like that. What, what do you think, or what, what is your answer, I guess, to that question? Yeah, well, I, I think Drew probably does get some time on Harden as well um, because of his defensive prowess there. But I, I guess you probably want to stop Harden first because uh, I think he's uh, he's got a little bit more... I mean, Kyrie, Kyrie, we've seen Kyrie go for 40 easily, but I guess Harden is probably yeah, more of a Yeah, but I think distribu- the idea is like Kyrie can go for 40, but Harden can go for 28, but 14 assists. And yeah, add it all yeah, up, and yeah. it's just going to be, uh, that's a lot more. He's a better, I think, passer of the lobs inside, James Harden, yeah. than, than Kyrie Irving. Um, uh, but we saw when James Harden was at his best this season before the hamstring injury, it forced his way into the MVP conversation because mm-hmm. he was just so dominant. So uh, more than happy to play facilitator, but also James Harden is going to have a period at least where he's like, all right, now I'm scoring, uh, doing whatever I want, getting to the free throw line. So it's uh, it's a Sophie's choice for um, uh, 
the Budenholzer man there because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's when you're playing whack-a-mole, you know, there's always one that pops up and you, you can't go. keep them all down. Yeah, way to go back to it. Awesome. Yeah, it's muy excitado. So one of those guacamoles is going to be pointing straight up. <laughs> okay, my, my, uh, my key to the series here before we uh, get to our predictions for this one, I think it is Chris Middleton uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, he averaged 21 and a half points per game. Uh, four and a half assists per game, shooting 50% from the floor, 41% from three in that first round against the Heat. They're going to need him to maintain that production here, uh, of course, against the Nets and try and at least, you know, if Harden is the guy going 28, like, come on, Middleton, give us 25. Because if you go back to the Bucks' last two playoff series loss, that is 2020 semis versus Miami, so last year in the bubble, and then 2019 Eastern Conference Finals versus the Raptors, the fact of the matter is Middleton was just inconsistent. Against the Raptors, he was, quite frankly, horrible outside of one 30-point game, which also came in a loss. He didn't score over 15 points in any of the other games. That ain't going to fly in this series. And then even against the bubble heat, he shot well in the opener, and he had a 36-8-8 eight eight in Milwaukee's lone win. But those other games, you know, shot 6 of 15, zero threes, only scored 18 in the other game, fouled out, shot 8 of 25 in game five, played a lot of minutes. You know, there was no Giannis and all that, had six turnovers. He fouled out again. You, you can't have this from Middleton. Middleton has to be offensively, especially rock solid, I think. Or, I mean, well, at least four times, of course, to, uh, to win this series. And, and then again, like we just talked about the defense, I think he's going to get some minutes on Kyrie, maybe on Harden. And he's not a bad defender. We don't talk about Chris Middleton defensively at all. He gets no respect, but he's good. He is legit good. Um, but, you know, can anybody actually slow those guys? He's got to be special. That's my key to the series for the Bucks to pull this off and to win me $100 because that's really what we're focusing on here in this <laughs> series. Right, yeah. It's the Tass Mellis versus J.E. Skeets bet. Uh, you know, at least my first crack at it of trying to win $100 off Tass because Tass had the Nets going to the finals as soon as they made the Harden deal, and I said no chemistry is a real thing, and uh, they might lose here in, in a, one of these series. So, Skeets, have you ever taken a picture with a hundred dollar bill? <laughs> I think mean, we need to split screen this yeah, year I, to make no, it fair. I, I can, oh, geez, I don't have ever any money on me anymore. Can I just <laughs> yeah. hold up my credit card and like yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. cover the numbers? Uh, uh, maybe I'll do a yeah, I took I'll those do a last Venmo night. or something like that. Yeah. I took both those last night. So <laughs> that's, that's a man night on the town. Um, let's get to predictions. Uh, Trey, you go first. Uh, Bucks Nets. Who are you going? Tass, you're a smart guy, man. During round one of the playoffs, you said that the big thing for the Nets is going to be getting to know each other. And that's exactly what happened. Even the big three was saying, yeah, we're not even worried about the playoff run right now. We're just worried about getting back out there and playing basketball together. So I think you're smart for that. And I think you're also smart for saying in the other two, three series in the Western Conference, what a bump up in difficulty that the Nuggets are going to face playing against the Suns now. Same thing is going to be happening for the Nets here. Uh, there wasn't much defense played by the Boston Celtics in their round one series. They were content to just try and outscore them. And that's what they're going to try and do against the Bucs. But the Bucs defense is so much better. That being said, I think the Nets have too many options. Give me Brooklyn in seven. Okay, Nets in seven. Another seven-game series here. Uh, Tass, go next. What's your prediction? Uh, yeah, I really hope that uh, Pat, Connick, Pat Connaughton can do some kind of job on one of those Nets guards. But I, I think uh, Mike Budenholzer is going to see that not working too well. So Kyrie and James Harden are going to be going off and he's going to say, hey, Chris Middleton, come on over, man. We need you to play some defense here. 
And that's going to exhaust the dude. Uh, I think uh, we kind of undervalue how important Chris Middleton is on the offensive end. Skeetsy went through it there. He is so, so important on the offensive end. He doesn't hit that game winner in game one. Yeah. I don't know where that series goes uh, against the Miami Heat. So uh, I, I just worry about that Bucks defense, although it does definitely have really good matchups defensively. Uh, the Nets just have too many freaking weapons that are cooking, and I don't know if that chemistry thing ever happen ever you know is a is a an actual downfall for this Brooklyn Nets team until the finals, maybe or not. Yeah, a lot of people saying that this is the NBA Finals. I can start to see that now for sure. Uh, I, I'm buying that uh, the Nets are definitely the stronger team, though, uh, considering what the Milwaukee Bucks played in that first round, and even though people you know. Look to those two matchups at the end of the season there where, yeah, the Bucks came out on top over the Nets. James Harden wasn't playing in either one of those. Uh, so I think the Bucks are a little overhyped right now, and I think uh, the Nets bring him back to earth. I think the Nets will win in six, even though, I'm, you know, I, I hope the Bucks prove me wrong. I hope I hope we get seven, but I'll go six. Okay. Lili, what's your pick? Yeah, I think this is obviously going to be a, a much more difficult matchup for the Nets coming off the Celtic series. Uh, and Giannis has the ability to really uh, put some pressure on that Nets defense, which is their weak spot. That's their vulnerability here. Uh, and if Giannis can stay out of foul trouble in terms of offensive foul, if failing, and he can get inside and just, just score those easy baskets and put that three-pointer away, and then he does get help from uh, the other guys out there, like Drew Holiday, who was really good in the first-round series. He's been brought in, of course, because Eric Bledsoe couldn't play in the playoffs. So I think there's a lot there for the Bucks, but I just think ultimately that Nets offense is just a little too heavy, uh, and they pull it out. But I think we're going. I think we're going long. I think we're going a six or seven. I'll, I'll say the Nets in seven because they have home court. But uh, I, I would also like to be proven wrong. I'd like to see the Bucks um, upset them here, but I just feel there's just a little too much firepower from those vets uh, for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So Brooklyn in seven. This is where P.J. Tucker makes his money. We didn't bring up uh, Tucker there. I mean, he's going to get, obviously, chances, I think, on his old friend, Kevin Durant. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see what Bud does with Brooke Lopez. I mean, I I think there's less of a role for a guy like him, probably, in this series. Be difficult to keep him out there. He'll get his chance. And if Brooke can hit the threes, that's big. Uh, As you talked about, Trey, with the three-point shooting. Um, Look. If you guys are all taking the nets, I have to take the bucks. I mean, I already got a hundred dollar bet riding on it. I mean, <laughs> what would I do? I could sort of like do the weird hedge where it's like, well, you know, I'm either going to lose a hundred dollars or I'm going to be the smart guy because I got the pick right. Screw that. It's Milwaukee Bucks, man. I believe in them. Um, I, you know, I, Drew Holiday is fantastic. He needs to neutralize one of those guards. God, can you do it? That's the thing. I know we always get into like, I don't care how good your defense is. <laughs> yeah. When the offense is that elite, can it be stopped? Yeah, well, let's find out. I'm going to go Bucks, though. So what do I do? I guess I'll just have to go Bucks in six. Shout out to Brandon Jennings once again. Um, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, hopefully we get a very long series, and it should be a, a, a super tightly contested series. Let's hear from the stream team, though. Drop your predictions. Leave them below the video. Nets Bucks game one Saturday night. We're horny as hell for this one. And wait, okay. <laughs> could you could you like bet somebody else a hundred dollars? Hmm on the Nets? You know, like, well, would somebody yeah. take the Bucks in this series? Oh, yeah. You know my buddy Grish way? is always ready for a bet. <laughs> so, yeah, I could call him up right now and say, hey, man, you want to bet on the, the Bucks-Nets series? He would say, yes, absolutely. And then I'd say, uh, all right, I'll take the Nets, I guess, and see what he says. I think he would take the Bucks. There are a lot of people picking Milwaukee. I mean, no doubt. They're, oh, they're for a, sure. a yeah. very good team. It's just, like, you know, it is tough to, like, 
it's just tough to wrap your head around, I guess, you know, four games sort of outgunning the Nets is what we're getting at here. If everybody's healthy. Now, this can change in a hurry, right? There's a, a rolled ankle for a KD or a Kyrie or something, and then it's uh, maybe a little more even. But, yeah. Okay, I'll call up Rich. I, I'm going to do that. That's a good call. And listen, I just want to address this comment from Ziggy, who's always in the stream team, uh, talking about the opponents in the first round for, for both these Bucks and the Nets. He says, Heat were better than the Celtics, at least. I don't get that take, honestly. The Heat were horrendous. They, they didn't know what they were, were doing Were they horrendous, the though, event. because of the Bucks? Is the, is the counter to that. Because they Giannis pooped their pants. And, yeah. Once Giannis started guarding Jimmy Butler, yeah. they pooped their pants. And they had poop in their pants for the whole series and didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, what <laughs> There's no other way to see it. They did, yeah. man. They blew it. They completely blew it. The Heat were playing better than the Celtics coming into the playoffs. And then the Celtics were better than the Heat in the playoffs, basically because they got a 50-point game. You need to see some yeah. Chris Middleton 50-point games. Yeah. He needs to be the Jason Tatum for them in this series. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't find, I don't think it's just the Bucks that made the Heat look bad. The Heat just looked bad on their own. Jimmy Butler just wasn't hitting shots. I mean, he did like he was driving, he wasn't hitting shots. Bam Adebayo didn't look. Yeah, but again, like he knew where he was getting Giannis his shots. That was why didn't they do that the year prior? No one knows. He never played them. They never put Giannis on Butler, but they did this series. No, he couldn't bank a shot home. I mean, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't. He literally, he just. He stopped being able to be Jimmy Butler. I don't think it was just Giannis at all. Mm. I think it was. I disagree with that. But he was just bad. All right. Well, that's why there, Ziggy. Keep your comments coming though. We love it, Stream Team. Okay. Uh, final series here for our, for us to predict here on uh, on the Drop Podcast. Oh, we have oh, a lot baby. to get to still. Yeah. Sixers, Hawks, Kaka. The one five matchup. Sixers took the season series two games to one. Uh, dominated the last two meetings actually, winning by a combined sixty six points. Both of those coming at the Wells Fargo Center. Philly's lone loss to the Hawks came in January. Though I think that was the game the, Haw- uh, the Sixers were missing like eight guys. <laughs> like health and safety <laughs> protocol. I don't think Simmons played. Anyway, game one, Sunday. Hawks Sixers on ABC. Yeah, that's right. 1 p.m. Eastern. Keys to the series. I'll just start because it's the number one key to the series. Joel Embiid's health. How healthy is he? Is he playing? Because, you know, if he doesn't, completely changes the complexion of this matchup. The Sixers, I saw Schumann with this stat. 30 and 6 when their full starting lineup were playing. And one of those losses was game four against Washington when Embiid didn't play after the first quarter. So, you know, let's call it maybe 31 and 5 if he continues to play and they probably win that game. So, this is just like, it's huge. Um, I don't think the Sixers will win this series without Joel Embiid. Yeah, because I believe in the Hawks at least that much, and I think they're that good. They're playing with house money at this point. They're loose. No one's picking really them to win again, like most people weren't against the Knicks. So, I just think Embiid puts so much pressure on a Capella and a Collins. He gets him in foul trouble. He lives at the line, easy points. But if he doesn't play because of the knee, then man, then it's more of a coin flip to me. So that's the that's the key. And I don't think we really know the answer to that right right now, as of recording this on Friday. I think they're hoping he'll play, right, Tass? But who knows? He's a giant dude <laughs> that uh, could play like we just saw with Anthony Davis. Lands awkwardly, and, and then he's out for the season, series again. So... That's massive to me. But I don't know, maybe you disagree that the Sixers couldn't, they couldn't win even if Embiid didn't play. Does anybody disagree yeah. with that? Yeah, I think the Sixers could win yeah. even without Embiid. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, starting with uh, the fact that they're able to guard Trey Young with Ben Simmons. Uh, that's just, that's going to be so, so different than the, the Knicks series who are giving him a lot of space and Taj Gibson was dropping back. And I, I think. I mean, that would be a lot on Joel Embiid. If he comes out and plays and, and they get him involved in the pick and roll, uh, I, I think, you know, it's just going to be up to Ben Simmons really to 
to get out there and scramble back so Joel Embiid can can fall back himself and stop Clint Capella. Uh, you know, Dwight Howard might be just healthier and better suited to do that right now. But uh, either way, Simmons out there on Trey Young, uh, he's going to take this extremely personally. He keeps on calling himself Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's going to do a really good job on Trey Young, and uh, it's going to be up, I think, to the other Hawks to make up for what Trey Young isn't able to do in terms of setting guys up. Uh, big, big pressure on Bogdan Bogdanovich. But uh, I think, yeah, the, the Simmons defense just takes away Clint Capella to a degree because the center, whoever it is, if it's Dwight or Joel Embiid, can drop back. But Simmons is not going to allow that space that the, the Knicks, you just saw. Trey Young, he, he definitely perused into the lane a little too much, mm-hmm. just just too much. And they dropped and they put Tosh Gibson in there. And he was a, he was a fallback guy. And uh, Embiid, you know, I worry almost that if he does play, it's just so much to ask. Uh, he'll probably play like Taj Gibson did, but uh, Ben Simmons will be out there. It'll be a lot different than Reggie Bullock. So that's uh, that's interesting. Trey Young could could pick him apart as well if if they decide to you know fall back in that coverage. Uh, but it's it's hard not to really believe in Ben, who doesn't have a lot of offensive responsibility. I guess it goes up if Joel Embiid is out, though. So that yeah, that's a huge huge question mark whether Embiid plays. I think he tries to fight through it. I think there's. This was his season. He was an MVP candidate. I think we'll see him out there. Uh, you know, when this thing gets going. Mm-hmm. But uh, how long? It's 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 totally fair. Who the heck knows that? Trey, what's your key to the series? Well, skates. You're right. Embiid's health is the number one key to this series. If he's a hundred percent. The Sixers win this series pretty easily, I think, but it does not look like he's going to be 100%. We have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea if he's even going to play. People in the stream team are suggesting perhaps the Sixers keep him out until they lose a game. That could certainly happen, give him a little bit more rest, but it's a huge unknown. That's why Tobias Harris is Mo Verney key to me in this series because mm-hmm. he might have to be the 76ers leading scorer. We don't know what we're getting from Embiid. Simmons is unreliable as a scorer, at least. Coming into this series, I think Tobias Harris has to be an an offensive hub for the Sixers. It's going to be a nice matchup. I think he'll have DeAndre Hunter on him a little bit. I think he'll have John Collins on him a little bit. They did a great job on Julius Randle, forced him into a lot of isos, played physical, and just made every possession tough. It felt like Randle was taking 48 dribbles every single time he had the ball. Harris is certainly a more skilled scorer than Randle. He scores in a lot different ways. He actually did lead the Sixers in scoring in round one. 25 a game, 50% from the field, 38 from three, 90 from the line. You need that again from Toby Harry. Quick, smart decisions, looking to get buckets because the Hawks are going to score pretty well in this series. I think uh, Trey Young will certainly have uh, a tougher series than he had against the Knicks with Thibel and Simmons on him, but there's still a lot of scorers on the Hawks. They've been playing pretty well this second half of the season. Uh, that's why, to me, Tobias Harris got a lot of pressure on him this series mm. to actually be a consistent scorer each and every game. Very similar to uh, Chris Middleton there in the totally. Nets-Bucks series. I always think of those two guys as, as similar guys. They're like just on that uh, you know borderline of like they're all-star sort of guys, and, and some nights they look like almost borderline superstar guys, and they have these inconsistent nights. Anyway, Tobias Harris is a big one in this series, especially if there's no Embiid for the first couple of games maybe. Lee, key to the series before we get to predictions. Well, I think it's a three-point shooting for uh, both teams, really, because ultimately, yes, Trey Young is going to face a much stiffer challenge. I think it's either Simmons or Thibel. Both of them are going to get him at some point. Thibel's an 
incredible defender. He's got that uh, length as well. And then even Tyrese Maxey might even get some minutes on him when he's when those guys are resting. And I think the Sixers know, like, if you can slow Trey Young down, that can really stop their offense. Don't let him get going. But then Trey's probably going to prepare for it, and so is Nate McMillan, and say, Bogdanovich, you've got to hit those threes again. John Collins got got, got it going towards the end of that series. Kevin Huerta coming off the bench. He can hit some threes. And then you've got Gallinari, man. And he, poor man, Danilo Gallinari moves like a cement mixer out there, but he can still hit the three-pointer. Uh, and that, especially down here in Atlanta, he was very good. And he was uh, he was getting uh, pretty carried away down there too. Had a nice little step back sort of between the legs move. He missed it. But once those threes are falling, he's just confident because he kind of, and this is again where they will potentially, if Joel Embiid is not playing, uh, Danilo Gallinari almost sort of fills in as their sort of big man there for a while as well uh, when Capella's on the bench and sometimes it's John Collins and Danilo Gallinari. If Joel Embiid is playing, they cannot have Gallinari out there defending Embiid at all. He will get destroyed. But I think as well for the Sixers, you know, like Seth Curry was good in this series. Danny Green hit 13 threes in the series against the Wizards. It's the Wizards, but Danny Green, as a veteran, can still do that in the corner. We <laughs> Raptors fans know he had one good game against the Warriors that time, but he hit six threes yep. in that game. I think it was game three in, uh, in Oakland where he hit those threes and he did the same thing for the Lakers in the bubble there. So he might only have one or two good games, but it could be uh, game-turning events for him. So uh, I think with Philadelphia, if those threes are falling, I mean, Ben Simmons, we know he doesn't shoot them, but certainly if he can uh, penetrate and get those guys into their spots uh, and they're knocking them down, that offense for Philadelphia is fantastic. As far as Joel Embiid... um, I wonder if the Sixers look and see what happened with Anthony Davis last night and think, you know, it's not worth the risk. They look at maybe Kevin Durant in the finals against the Raptors a couple of years ago. He clearly wasn't ready to go and did further damage. I don't know what a meniscus tear, how serious uh, that is, but it just sounds grotesque and sounds awful to me. So I'll be surprised if Embiid is uh, certainly playing in the first game or two. And then depending on how the series is, maybe Philadelphia uh, decides to risk it. But it's sad because we want to see the best players out there. That's the, the best thing for fans is to see the teams at full strength playing mm-hmm. each other. And I think even if Embiid does play, we'll, we'll be able to tell, I think, if he's on the court in the first five minutes, whether or not that knee is bothering him. Uh, because we saw that with Chris Paul. He wasn't at his best. And we saw that with Anthony Davis. He clearly wasn't at his best. So we might get a, a, a glimpse either way of uh, just how bad that knee is. But, um, yeah, I think if those threes are falling for the Hawks, that's their best chance of, of staying here with Philadelphia because this is a much better defensive team. Well, I say that. The Knicks actually had a great defensive rating. Yeah. But, but, but this is different because, like, like Tess yeah. was saying, like, by no means you're playing Trey Young are you going to do drop coverage. That'd be silly. Yeah. So you're going to run him over and you're going to get him into the paint. But they're so long and so fast, Tybalt yeah. and Simmons, they're going to be challenging from behind on these floaters. Like that gets in your head as an offensive player. Just That's that how Trey likes to speed. draw fouls though. Yeah, exactly. You'll back, see that. You'll 100% yeah. see the old Chris Paul yeah. stop there and, and I'm sure he'll get some of them. But then too, Embiid, we're talking offensively, like he'd put up 30 and 15, I'm sure, in this series if he's playing. But like defensively, yeah, you're going to like get Trey in there and then Embiid's in there. Like and that's yeah. gonna like make Trey think twice at the rim and stuff like that and maybe take away those lobs. So that's why he's huge. Um you're, but you're right. Knicks had a good defense, but I think it's just such a different defense for the Sixers with yeah. the, the guys they have that you can put on the perimeter. Yeah, and statistically throughout the regular season, it's just different. In a series, the, Nate McMillan, the Hawks, found a way to basically pick it apart. And uh, it didn't it didn't look anywhere near as convincing yeah. in the playoffs in that series. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the I, Hawks I, have a lot of offensive firepower. Like, you guys they do, went through but all those the shots, guys that can, can catch yeah, fire. Those shots just have to fall, like, like for any team. Once they're falling, yeah. it just spreads the floor and it opens it up. And, uh, you know, Bogdanovich and uh, Gallinari weren't all that great in New York, but they were pretty good down here in Atlanta. So if they can uh, even it out a little bit more, that's going to help the Hawks.
Colts. All right, well, let's talk uh, actual predictions here. Trey, back to you. Um, who's winning this? How many games? Uh, I'm excited to see if anybody will take the uh, hometown Hawks here. Ka-ka, to continue, but TK, you go first. Because we have no idea what's mm. going on with Embiid. If, if somehow he comes back and uh, this meniscus tear is a little bit more like a sprain, which I don't think a lot of people realize, a sprain is just a tiny meniscus tear. It really is. Uh, but if he's able to play, if he's able to be at 95%, this is an easy win, I think, for the Sixers. But I'm not super confident that uh, Embiid is going to be able to play at his best for the entire series. But is that enough? To make you want to pick the Hawks, I don't know, because we've seen in the past the Sixers have been successful playing with Ben Simmons at the five. I think they can even do okay with Dwight Howard getting 25 minutes at the five, just smashing his body into Clint Capella in a revenge series for Dwight Howard. This is almost a double revenge series for (laughs) Dwight Howard because he was replaced as the Houston center by Clint Capella. And he was waived by the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. Wow. Maybe Dwight (laughs) Howard is the key to this series. I think uh, I think we'll know a lot in game one, like Lee is saying here, with what we see from Embiid. I'm going to go Sixers in six. It could okay. go the other way, certainly. Okay. Uh, Tess, where are you going? Yeah, a great punter here in the stream team, Nair, comments, Embiid should trust the healing process. Nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I first say Embiid's going to play through that pain because it's his MVP season, MVP caliber season, and he should... Uh, want to play out there but then on the other on the other side yeah he had this same meniscus tear in in his rookie year he ended up having to undergo season ending surgery so I don't know anything about his uh, his physical health I just think that the Sixers are rolling right now going up against the Atlanta Hawks Uh, I think Seth Curry is going to have a great series going up against the backcourt of Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich Seth Curry is a streaky player just came off a 30-point night Feeling good to end that series against the Wizards, and Trey Young's not going to be able to hide. Yes, I, I don't think in right. this series, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a little different for him. So, uh, when Trey's guarding Seth, I don't really think there's uh, much more of an, an, another option. Really, I, I guess you throw him on Danny Green. Danny Green times. for sure. Uh, they'll yeah. be a very similar, I think, to Reggie Bullock, where it's like you're fine because if he gets off a screen, yeah, you, they might be open for a split second there, but you're not worried about Danny Green putting the ball on the floor nope. and getting yeah. to the hoop. Same with Reggie Bullock. That's where he's going to yeah. hide, I think. That's totally true. Then just get Danny Green off the floor, I think. If you're, if you're Doc Rivers, I mean, just go with Ben Simmons and Trey Young in your backcourt. Uh, and then uh, Ben Simmons and, uh, yeah, exactly, and, and Seth in your backcourt. And then figure it out from there. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I, you know, I want to take the hometown Hawks. And I felt good doing it in Series 1, but uh, there's not only is Seth Curry playing well. You, you talked about Tobias Harris uh, being a key He's feeling good, too. He's playing really well. So is Ben Simmons, and I, I think that's important. Uh, the, the confidence level of a, a number one seeded team should never be questioned, but these guys have you know, never really been in this position, but they got to feel good. They have to feel good right now, and I think they, they make life hell for Trey Young. I'll take him in six. Okay. Lee? I'm heading down to the fortress for at least one of these oh, hometown games. Oh, you are, yeah. You're already looking games. at yeah, tickets? Yeah, okay. of course, of course. It was so much fun down there last week. I want to cheer for the Hawks. I want the Hawks to win. I think they can win. I think uh, things have go. to go right for them. 
you know, and I do think the Embiid factor is going to be significant in this series because Dwight, you know, he he still gets himself in these silly fouls and he and he can get a flagrant every now and again. Like he's going to put a body on Capella oh, for sure. Oh, he's definitely picking up a flagrant. Of course he series. is. He does it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, he'll catch them lobs and they'll they'll throw that those dunks to him, but he'll get the, he'll get himself into his own uh, into a mess as always. Um, and I again, like I just have faith in that those threes being able to fall for the Hawks here. I think uh, I think they've got some really good players and I think they've got some really good... Uh, I thought their defense was way more impressive too in this series and I think they understand this has to be at that same level if not increased here for uh, this series against Philadelphia. So I'm taking the hometown Hawks. Give me the Hawks. We're going to close it out in six. The Fortress <laughs> is going to be bumping. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you'll be there in person. Um... Well, it might not even go six. Maybe the Hawks sweep them in four or oh five. Who knows? That's crazy. Okay, so you're taking Hawks in six? Yeah, why wow. not? Man, why not? That's the way to look at it, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with the other two guys. I'm going Sixers and six. I do think Embiid's ultimately going to play. And uh, I think they just have the defensive guys to slow Trey Young. And Doc Rivers is not an idiot. They're going to go at Trey Young. They're going to put him in action. And he won't be able to hide as easy as he definitely did in the Knicks. Like, they almost never went at him. He didn't have to do anything defensively. Who do you really think is going to exploit Trey Young? Well, it's just like Seth Curry and Ben Simmons. If that's the backcourt they're going to be going to at times, he's going to be in action. There's going to be no way to hide him. Uh, I think that's probably true. But I mean, if Seth Curry's taking all your shots, I think that's a win for the Hawks. Yeah, He can hide on Thibault. He can hide on Danny Green, like we're saying. He can kind of hide a little bit on Ben Simmons. Uh, he shouldn't be able to. I mean, yeah, Simmons is aggressive. Send him to but the line. Right. Shoot but some yeah. free throws. Like, anytime <laughs> yeah. he gets him in the post, follow him. Send him yeah. to the line. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be the little chess match here between Nate McMillan and Doc Rivers. I got Sixers and Six, so I'm going with uh, Tass and Trey in this one. And Lee's going Hawks and Six. Let's see the stream team's picks. Drop them there. Drop them in the video below or in the comments below the video, I should say. Okay, we still got Five Star Friday to get to. We've got Tweet of the Night. We got Rapid Fire, which we actually have to try and make rapid this time. But first, or finally, uh, another quick break to hear from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get to some five-star Friday fun. Trey Kirby, explain this for uh, any of the new listeners or YouTube viewers. Don't mind if I do, Skeetsington. Five-star Friday, the first Friday of every month. We read five of the best five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts from the previous month. These reviews help us in the rankings. The rankings help us on the charts. The charts help us on the downloads. The downloads help us on everything. So get your reviews in, get us up on them charts. We wanna be at number one by tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) 
That's how you do it, right, Skeets? Yeah. Make a big ask. Make a huge ask and see what they come in on. Anyways, here are your top five five-star reviews from the month of May. First one, Hoops and Thought Loops from the Impatient Chapo Hit Squad. <laughs> Leave basketball reference behind and let these certified psychonauts guide you across a vast mindscape full of wedgies and roast beef and the only podcast approved by Manu Ginobili and Terrence McKenna. <laughs> what a start. Yeah, no doubt. This one makes me it's feel good. like we're talking some real big brain stuff on here. <laughs> Not just jokes about drinking water and me <laughs> carrying you to your car. <laughs> Great review. Our second five-star review comes to us from Jahidi White. I don't think it's that one. Maybe a pseudonym. Silky underscore Johnson is the title for no reason. Best podcast, period. I love the laid-back hoop talk. This makes you feel like you're just talking hoops with a group of friends. Keep up all the great work and hard work. Thanks for the all the effort you guys put in every day, especially JD. Mm. Tulip, Blue Skies, Blossom. Thank you, Jihadi White. Yeah, I like that little specific JD shout-out. You like that, Absolutely. JD? You feel loved? Oh, I love it. Good. Thank you, Silky. Was that Rachel uh, Rachel who put in that uh, yeah. one there? Yeah. She wants you to get a little bit more... Silk, re- do you call, call her Silky Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> blossom. I like the Blossom in there, too. What about a Blossom reunion? We've been having oh, these French wow, reunions. Yeah. It's, it's happening. Van Oy. It? It's happening. What? I think so. Whoa. Isn't it's, there... Or it's been rebooted. It's a reboot. Oh. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, What's six up to? Haven't heard much about six lately. Yeah, Yeah, not nothing at all. (laughs) This guy is into gardening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do like that. Our next review comes to us from Big Daddy Watermelon. Okay, this is actually kind of funny. Is the uh, title here? (laughs) (laughs) Always fun, always funny, and very entertaining. If you're thinking this is tough to get into, there seems to be so many in jokes I don't get. Just wait it out, and you'll have a whole new set to be a part of before you know it. These guys aren't pretentious, and they actually know what they're talking about, making it much better automatically than 90% of b-ball pods. I love the part. This is tough to get into. There seems to be so many in-jokes I don't get, but just wait it out. Literally just wait a week, and there will be a whole fresh slate of jokes for you to understand. (laughs) Speaking of inside jokes that you may not understand, our next review comes to us from Selena Quill, titled Infectious. Here's a couple of those inside jokes. The spoon fork and trucks that sell food in them confusion is catching on as No Dunks promoted two other podcasts recently. I spent an entire Shattered episode wondering when it was going to move on from the Knicks and start talking about basketball in the 1980s before realizing I meant to start Death at the Wing. Five of five stars would be willing to take more podcast recommendations and muddle-headedness. Throwing in the tagline at the end. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. You're getting four inside jokes Two podcast recommendations. That's why you gotta stick with no ducks. I've never heard the word muddle-headedness. <laughs> muddle-headedness. Never seen it, never heard it. Is it a real word? I guess it is. Uh, I don't know. Throw it in your grammarly, I mean, dog. You've got to be super athletical to figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, check your babs. Um, very muddle-headedness to me sounds like uh, an elf when he starts calling people cotton-headed ninny-muggins. Very similar (laughs) words. I don't know why. Uh, But that was our fourth review. 
Our last and final five-star review comes from Hesho55. Five stars. Y'all are nice dudes. Keep it up. <laughs> we Thank will. You. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Hesho. Five-star review. They don't need to be uh, like long paragraphs. That's right. Short and sweet right. and to the point. Thank you so much to everybody out there dropping those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. They do sincerely help us out. Uh, so if you haven't dropped one, you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Please go ahead, take a second, and do it. Still can't do it on Spotify, eh? What's up with that? You know? Weird. Just weird, if you ask me. They want to handle the recommendations, I guess. I know! Over there at Spotify, rather than letting the people. The reviews count. Thanks to everybody that's been, like, tagging us on Instagram, especially, like... I guess Spotify had one of those recent things where, like, they look at all the music and podcasts you listen to and say, Hey... You're a weird guy. You like uh, the No Dunks uh, podcast, and then like you can share it on social. Anyway, everybody was tagging us, so thanks for everybody for doing that. Yeah. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right, well, it's uh, almost summertime here in the Northern Hemisphere, I guess. That's some, <laughs> that's some big brain stuff right there. I know it's summer in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, anyway, so people are talking about ice cream, right? Yep. Yeah, of course. I've been looking at the Baskin Robbins near me, thinking about some mint chocolate chip, which Ooh. some people hate. Some people don't like mint chocolate chip at all. I get it. I understand. That brings me to Tweet of the Night by Andrea Nordgren, who asks, what are you ordering from the ice cream truck? And then... Many, many photos of different ice creams, including a SpongeBob bar, a Choco Taco, a strawberry shortcake, a snow cone, a firecracker, screwball chip, which can't go, an ice cream sandwich, push-up pops, drumstick, Powerpuff Girls bar, creamsicle, mm, chocolate eclair, and a fudge pop. Wow. wow. It's tough. It's tough. I'll start us off. Yep. I go classic chip witch. I love the wow. texture chip of the witch. cookie on the outside. Chip witch. Oh, yeah, baby. I hope it's not a real cheap one, but even then, I'd probably still go chip witch. I'd look at the creamsicle. Yep. Um, I'd look at the ice cream sandwich, but chip witch, yeah, it's just something about the multiple textures you get with the hard and the soft. And I'd look at the Powerpuff Girls bar, and I'd say, what the hell is that? Uh, and then I'd choose a chip witch. What are you guys taking from this? Well, I love I love that you went with this because Lee, you were like just sharing on one of your Instagram or Twitter accounts uh, the uh, ice cream truck. You were not happy with it. A van. My yeah. God, that was yesterday. Yeah, the van, a dirty old thing with just the magnets on the side. No romance anymore. You don't go up anymore, and you see the little man wearing his hat and like you know <laughs> doing the dance. It's just got a like you know, rough. He pulls over. What do you want? This. Have that. This what, is is this what are you going to retweet here? Throws you a SpongeBob bar. <laughs> ah, disgusted with that. Have you ever dance. seen an ice cream guy dance? No, no, I don't nah, know. but at least they used to, you know, get into it a little bit. I mean, they, <laughs> what and, do you and mean, used to get what? into it. What well, the they used to at least you? have the pop-up van, right? This guy was just driving the like the, yeah. the rental. You mean more of a truck? This, yeah, this was a yeah. van. It's yeah. a this van. was just a van. This was just like someone's van. That's like, all right, this is the best I can do for the kids. Don't I don't care anymore. I'm just in it for the money. That's actually smarter if you think about it. The, the, the truck no. was too high. Uh, it was tough to get up there when you were small. Ah, no, but at least the part of the journey was going up to the truck and checking it out and seeing all the decorations on the side. This thing needed a good wash, for one. 
Uh, and it just needed a little bit more colour. It needs cleaner. Just clean the wheels. Do something, man. I was clean disgusted the wheels. by it. Yeah. You are such a hoity-toity, man. Oh, uh, man. Um, I just I just like a little tradition with my ice cream trucks, okay? All right. Uh, the game's changed, man. <laughs> okay, well, what are you ordering? <laughs> well, I like the caricature uh, ice creams, you know. Now, in this particular wow. one, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got SpongeBob or Powder Puff Girls. Uh <laughs> You know, I, I I prefer like a Scooby Doo or a Ninja Turtle, something like that. Um, so I'd be doing that. So, right now? That's yeah, of course. Now. Yeah, but now seeing in this particular uh, option uh, we have here, there's none of those. I'd probably go with a creamsicle. Actually, I don't mind the creamsicle. Wow, they, I love a creamsicle. That's mm, a, yeah. I got no problem yeah, with that. Cream City yeah. over here. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. Because yeah. I I look, you know. I don't know if I want to be walking around with a Powder Puff Girls bar. I'm just not sure. I think at least uh, Scooby or uh, Donatello or Leonardo, whoever the Ninja Turtles is, is you know, it's fine. But wasn't really into Powder Puff. I believe it's Power Puff. Oh, Power, Power Puff, Puff, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. See? <laughs> so uh, give me the creamsicle in this case. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, Trey, what, what, are you, what are you picking, man? I'm going Choco Taco if they actually have them. I will say that it's not my favorite on here, but I cannot resist when I see it. It's, uh, I don't know, it just feels like limited addition to me because uh, whether it be a truck, uh, a well-maintained truck with a man dancing in it, or a disgusting, <laughs> grotesque van, not everyone will have a Choco Taco, but if it's there, I got to order it just because it feels, it's almost like a shamrock shake to me. It's like, oh, it's here, I'm going to get it. Generally, though, I'm going Chocolate Eclair. Okay. Uh, mm. For these ones. Okay. Well, I mean, there's, uh, you guys know I'm picking something that has a popsicle stick, so I can chew on that after oh, I'm yeah, done enjoying the treat. So there's like seven options here with a stick, but I love a creamsicle. I, I like that where you guys were leaning there. I know, Tass, you're sort of thinking about it, and uh, you too, Lee. I'll just keep it simple. This is summertime. Give me a firecracker. Mm. Getting three different flavors in one, and I get the stick. Yeah. I, it's also, I remember them being like, well, actually, they're a little deceiving, right? Some of them are wider than others, where I remember it being a little bit longer, so it felt like more of a treat. But uh, give me the classic. Probably the cheapest in the truck, too, uh, that dirty truck that just pulled up and threw it at me. Uh, JD, what are you picking? I'm uh, exactly on the same page as Trey. I gotta have that chocolate. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, it's fun and to say. And then second, second is the chocolate eclair. I like it busy. Like Tass said, you got to have the crunchy with the sweet and a little bit of savory with the nuts there. But uh, yeah, Choco Taco is uh, is underrated treat mm-hmm. around okay. here. Okay. All right. Well, let's wow. hear from everybody. Can't wait to see the answers. Everybody's got a strong opinion about the uh, the ice cream truck, especially Lee Ellis, apparently. What's <laughs> the difference there between the snowball and what was that other one called? The screwball? Snow cone and yeah. screwball. What's These look screwball? very similar yeah. to me. Just like a slushy sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen those. And I, I guess king cone and drumstick are pretty similar as well. Though I would say yeah. king cone over drumstick personally yeah yeah uh, yeah those are similar i've never seen a screwball but it just yeah, looks same. like the same thing to me you're right just in a clear cup people are saying it comes with gum protocol <laughs> comes with gum then you have something from when all your friends are done like you're sharing this gum i don't what? know what that's a, that's a that's crazy talk to me you have something when all your friends are done with their ice cream two treats for one Skeets, mm. I know you like chewing on that stick, but you're getting a, wow. you're getting a nice deal here on that screwball. I, I, I just don't remember them having screwballs in the yeah. ice cream trucks in Canada. There was a couple yeah, items I there. I was like, I don't that. think we had that, but yeah, I didn't know the gum option. Good to know. They should do a better Ooh. job of calling it something else. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think gum when I'm thinking screwball. 
Mm-mm. Call it chew ball. No, I th- yeah. I thought it had alcohol <laughs> yeah. in it for a second. Yeah. yeah, it does look like chew a boozy ball. drink. Uh, all right, so great tweet. That was fun. Uh, let's wrap this up with a little rapid fire. Let's try and make it as rapid as possible, guys. Come on, let's do it. Uh, JD, you've got the questions today. All right, guys. Uh, Trey Young expertly trolled the crowd at MSG Wednesday night with a Reggie Miller-esque bow at center court after he nailed a 30-foot basket to cap off the series. Tell us about a time you slipped into full villain mode. Tass. Well, nightly, I've been reading a comic to my young girl. Uh, it's called Double Trouble. It's Spider-Man versus Venom. So mm. every night, I've got to take on the role of Venom, <laughs> who often uses gum to catch Spider-Man. Because what a jerk. I mean, recently, they've been living together, and uh, Spider-Man will make food for the both of them. Venom will just come in and suck every noodle back and not leave uh, Spider-Man with anything. What a jerk, huh? huh. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I got, I got, I pull. Yeah, Spider-Man. My my geeky Spider-Man voice is getting super geeky. <laughs> Spider-Man's not. He's just kind of normal. But uh, yeah, I've kind of been, I've been going really crazy with my Venoms. It's almost <laughs> yeah. Batman-esque. Oh. And Spider-Man's like, hey, don't touch my noodles. Pretty <laughs> uh, yeah. good. So, yeah, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, very Peter Parker. Lately, <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my noodles. <laughs> Pretty much any time someone brings up something about New Zealand or or uh, Adelaide in Australia, I have to go into full villain mode and pick on those cities and uh, and those countries with New Zealand and just make fun of them. I have to do it. I can't not do it. Now, most people know I'm only joking, but not everyone does. And I get a few nasty messages from people saying, fuck you, man, Adelaide's way cooler than Melbourne. I'm like, it's not. It's, no, not, it's not. It's just not. No. <laughs> no <it's> not. <laughs> and if anyone compliments New Zealand, I just have to say, yeah, but it's still New New Zealand, so uh, you know a lot of my Kiwi friends know I'm just there. It's part of the uh, it's part of the big brother little brother sort of rivalry that we have there between Australia and New Zealand. But I can't let an opportunity slip, so I have to do it every single time. Yeah, you got to Skeets. Uh, well, I've talked about my godson before. He's six years old. He's uh, pretty athletic. He's into all sports, like most kids are. Um, so he's playing baseball. He's playing football now, or flag football down here in, in the south, and playing a little soccer and. You know, he thinks he's the greatest athlete of all time. So sometimes I got to really put him in his place and I just go full villain mode, uh, especially a soccer little match we had. It was not a match. We were just playing sort of like one-on-one just in my little uh, yard here. But I just decided I had heard enough of him saying he's like the greatest soccer player ever. And I just like went full <laughs> Billy Madison and just destroyed him. Because usually, yeah. you know, you're like giving up a goal or two or whatever if you're playing hoops. And I was like, nah. I'm just going to crush it off your face. I, like, popped him in the head once with the ball. <laughs> it was 10 nothing. We were playing a 10. 10 nothing. And, uh, you know, you just got to put him in your place. But I'm full villain mode for sure. Yeah, nothing I love better than to bring a kid down a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have you to. Have to. <laughs> All right, next one. We got a comment from Joseph in Fort Worth, Texas, that simply says, I, for one, dig the coaches wearing the team pullovers. Okay. I mean, I guess they're fine. It kind of reminds me of when you guys were forced to wear the uh, mechanic shirts back in uh, <laughs> Summer League. Yep. Well, here they These are guys. in the stream team. You're looking at them here. Uh, to, to be honest, I was annoyed when it happened, but uh, the look actually kind of grew on <laughs> me over good. the years. It yeah. did start looking cool for some weird reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just kind of like it now. Uh, I have a couple in my closet. I may actually wear them around this summer. (laughs) Why not, right? Uh, So tell me, uh, uh, what's something you kind of hated at the time, but looking back, that wasn't that bad? Tess. 
<laughs> okay, here's a stupid answer. Uh, I, I used to, uh, whenever I was, you know, usually it would happen I'm at a red light and I'd just be leaning on my hand or I'd, I'd rub my hand across my face. I'd notice that there was a stray hair coming out of my nose. Uh, so I'd just pull it up. And it hurts. Yeah. It definitely hurts. Yeah. So, yeah. Make your eyes tear, water at times. Yeah. yeah, definitely a tear may come out of the eye. But I mean, it lasts, it's pretty quick. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely hurts. Maybe a sneeze happens. Now, uh, plug. I've got the Manscaped nose trimmer. I get in there, finish the job, not having to pull it out. But right. looking back, it wasn't that bad. You know, mm. it's just a real, real quick two seconds of real pain, and I didn't need a device to use it right. or to get it. So cool answer. Yeah, man. man. Do you sniff it <laughs> like your earwax? Out of your nose? Why bother? It's already in your nose. Yeah, yeah, put it in your ear, actually. Dumb question. I'm sorry, dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) You ever do the wax, like a full wax? (laughs) Boom. Oh, my God. No. Have you? Yes, of course, Scott. I love it. Oh, I love my it. God. Wax it nostrils. You must cry. You're, you must, tears must yeah, come out. Tears, yeah, tears. Yeah, and I get uh, usually wow. I get Jackson or Lincoln to do it, at, oh. both at the same time too. Boom. Oh. <laughs> that should be a pick the double chaos. plugger. Oh, oh yeah. I should no, have to no. do that for one of my yeah. pick payoffs because I don't want to do that and that will hurt. Yeah, and I have and you, a lot of nose hair. So and you owe two, so one for each nostril, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I didn't think of that. Well, we'll All right, Lily, you got an uh, Oh, hold yeah. on. I'm curious how you get the wax in your nose. Like, are you just yeah. pouring wax up your nose? No, there's an applicator. It's uh, uh, you buy a kit, and it's uh, it's got a it's it's pretty cool actually. And then you, it's like hot wax. It has to be a specific texture and temperature, and you just put it up there, and you leave it there for 90 seconds. And then you oh, yank oh, it out. Hot wax in the strills. Hot wax. Oh, no, hey, man. could I? Would it be like dangerous if, as a pick and pay off during one of these shows, I put it in at the start of the show, and it has to stay there for the entire show, and then at the end I, I rip it out? Or is that? I would. I, I wouldn't advise it. Uh, I think that you need to sort of do it beforehand because it it turns rock hard. Yeah. Oh, so it's gonna rip, it would rip like skin from the yeah. inside of my nostril. At yeah. That's okay. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I would suspect. I would my suspect. nose just got whole nose. I know from when that lady did the the waxing of my chest on the show that it was sort of a piece by piece thing. You put it on and then rip True. it off pretty yeah. much straight away, yeah. rather than letting it uh, stick around. So. Yeah, and you what, yeah. the the nightmare scenario. You got to use the applicator because if you use like a Q-tip or something where the stick can rip off and then oh. leave all that wax in there, then you're not getting it out. So, yeah. Oh, wow, this is I good. don't like the sound of this at all. Yeah. <laughs> then then we got to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Give me the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. Hey, we'll do we'll do something with it. Uh, Lee, what's your uh, yeah, I don't know about this answer, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you guys know I've got a lot of photos I've kept, and um, one of them I didn't like. Uh, you know, I sort of kept it hidden. But now talking about eclairs and ice cream, I still think this is the best uh, eclair that I had. It was from, um, I think it was in Syria, and here it is there. <laughs> this looks totally photoshopped. What's it? Not a real picture. What the hell was the question again? Why are you seeing this? It's something that you didn't like at the time, but you don't mind it now. And that was that was one that I've kept hidden for a while, but it's uh, 
<laughs> you have never looked more Australian. Oh, I know. I Absolutely. I know. I know. It's about 600 degrees out there at the time. But, uh, I just Why are you thought... wearing two shirts? <laughs> no, it's not. It's, 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 it looks like two shirts, but it's, it's the fake undershirt. You can see how sweaty oh, cool. I am the on my shoulders. Undershirt? What are you wearing? A dickie? Shout out to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, JD. Almost every part of that looks fake. Like the hat. Lee's yeah. face, the eclair, the background. Like, yeah. this is a composite image made by a Russian bot somehow. Make us in a, make something that looks like an Australian eating an eclair in Syria. You plug it into some kind of program and this is what uh, comes out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few like that in the collection. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you just got to find a reason to shoehorn them into the show like today. <laughs> so, what, what are you saying? You didn't like the eclair? Well, at I've the kept time. it. No, no, I like I like the eclair. It's just a photo I've kept hidden. I was like, I don't know if I want to put that one out there. But then I thought, why not? Put it out there. It's fun. <laughs> All right. So you just have a whole segment where we go, All right, Lee, show us an old photo of you. Yeah. Show us a whole picture. Oh, man. All right. My answer to this uh, is stairs. Because when I used to live at Bass Lofts, mm. I lived on the uh, third story, uh, you know, no uh, elevator. You had to walk up uh, all of these stairs. And, you know, at times you're like, oh, God, you're exhausted. Groceries, anything like that. I, you know, you get annoyed with it, uh, you know, honestly. And then I moved into the new house. We barely have any stairs. It's all one yeah. level. There's like, you know, stairs to go down <laughs> my backyard. That's it. But I miss them because, I, you know, stairs like just a sneaky good workout every time. Like going yeah. up and down those all the time. You've just, lost your dumper completely, man. Yeah. Got no booty anymore. That's right, man. I, I started doing some stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to just go up and down your stairs in the back a hundred times a day. Get yeah, that ass like, back. Five of them. Uh, so, yeah, I missed those three stories. But, yeah, only looking back, I guess it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. it. And I like to take stairs quickly, too. I like to mm-hmm. run upstairs two at a time, sometimes three if I'm feeling, uh, you know, frisky. So that's yeah. my answer. Yeah, you're better off with that the stairs. Pain has no memory, man. Pain <laughs> has no memory. That's true. All right, last one. Lucky the leprechaun had a pretty bad week. First, he got stomped on by Kyrie Irving. Then... To add insult to injury, he didn't even make Trey's top five leprechauns, which I think we're still waiting for. But still, he's not on the list. <laughs> Tell us about a time your luck finally ran out. Tass. Well, I was lucky to never get chicken pox as a kid. Never had it. And in my 20s, uh, my niece had it. And so I, I asked a doctor... Yeah, should I get the chicken pox? Should I actually, you know, go rub cheeks with her and get her chicken pox? He said, no, you idiot. Just just try not to get them. But I saw her mother, my sister-in-law, get them at about the age of 40. She got it while my niece got it, and it was not a good experience. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was saying to the doc, you know, uh, you're the doctor here, but mm, I might want to get it now because in my 30s, I got went to Europe, actually. I came back. Uh, it was like... 12 days later, I'd done 10 days of uh, insanity with my boy Shanti. It was feeling great. Then all of a sudden, I come down with the chicken pox. Now, why did I mention that Europe trip? I'm pretty sure I contracted it somewhere on the plane, somewhere. It takes 14 days, up to 14 days as an incubation period. So, uh, I got the chicken pox. It was not fun. Oh, yeah. um, but it wasn't too, too bad. I'm sure a lot of people got it worse, but it was not not super duper fun Uh in uh, 2014, mm-hmm. the year was. Yeah, I was going to say, Luckily, we were it was doing the off show, season. right? Mm. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was kind of the off-season. We were doing... Oh. We were, I was uh, I was zooming in for meetings at the time, so my face was... Uh, my ugly face was... 
on your computers, yeah. but we didn't. Okay, it was I like it was looked at it. It. Yeah. You did not look comfortable. That's yeah. For sure. yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it was like September, October, luckily, so it wasn't uh, peak television time for us. <laughs> but yeah, those were the NBA TV days yeah, when we weren't doing too many previews. So yeah, I was lucky, but uh, you know, didn't work out too well, I guess. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but now you can go without getting chicken pox at all, I'm told. Oh, really? I was going to ask you, have your kids had them, Tess? No, 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 no. no. I didn't know that. There's a vaccine for it now, I think. Wow. For chicken pox, crazy. Yeah. Lily. So uh, you guys know that... um, Singapore Airport is uh, my favourite airport because it's so clean. And uh, the reason I like it is because I never in my 39 years had taken a uh, dump on an aeroplane. But uh, I went to Europe too one year, and uh, the night before I flew back to Atlanta, I went out for a, a huge dinner of uh, chicken curry and about probably five to ten pints of Guinness. Mm. And uh, do it. <laughs> the next day, before we'd even taken off, that Virgin like Atlantic, <laughs> that Virgin Atlantic aircraft, I couldn't. I, I was looking at a nine-hour flight across the Atlantic. I was like, there is just no way in the world. Uh, Virgin, no more. (laughs) (laughs) So the 39-year streak was broken, was ended by chicken curry and Guinness. But, uh, you know. (laughs) Please stop. Please stop painting this picture like you painted the bathroom. The good thing was, though, I got in there uh, before the flight took off, not the end of the flight. So uh, it was probably as clean and hygienic as possible but uh, oh, good for you so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you just had another nine hours to fly with like stank <laughs> all right skeetsy bring us home oh uh, man i can't i don't want to follow these two guys so very simply uh at some like point the people in on the life, virgin airplane <laughs> i had uh in an apartment definitely a classic i was in toronto like uh free cable television was like still hooked up it still worked and it was like, oh, this is great. You know, no one wants to pay for a television. Nobody. It's awesome when you get it free. And uh, eventually that luck ran out. Just one day it just stops working. And you're like, what? Why? Who, like, how yeah. did they figure it out? How did they know to cut that wire or that service? But uh, we had it for a while there. I think it was when we were living on Major Street, if I remember correctly. So that's my answer. Not as exciting as Lee's taking a dump in an airplane. <laughs> Never is, though. Yeah. And back then it was literally just a a person opens the box and unhooks 100%. it. 100%. Literally just, oh, yeah. I guess we forgot to unplug that cable. Yeah, now it's a click of the computer for sure. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little different then, but that's my answer. And that's rapid fire. Was it fast? Not really, but it was fun, wasn't it? Guys, thank you so much for joining us here for a very long edition of the Drop Podcast. But we had a lot to talk about those games last night and setting up the second round series. We got one game on tonight. Uh, just just quickly, around the horn, Trey Tass, then Lee. Do the Mavericks close this out on Friday night, or are we going to Game 7, baby, on the weekend? What do you think, Trey? I think the Mavericks should win this game, but I'm picking the Clippers to win it because I would love to see a hobo sweep, Skeetsy. I want to see the road team win every single game, so I will officially pick the Clippers. Tass, what do you think? I think it's over, ladies and gentlemen. Just having watched the way the the Blazers rolled from Game 5 to Game 6, same with the Lakers, Game 5 to Game 6, I think the same is going to happen. I think the life is out of the Clippers a little bit. Lee? Mavs, please, just end it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I, at this point, with the teams we have in the second round already in the West, I, I really want the Mavericks to win. I want Luka in there. I tweeted this last night. Mitchell 24, Luka 22, Booker 24, yeah. Jokic 26. My God. Like, that's just the West, you know, because then you could get into Trey Young, what he's doing. Even Giannis is still fairly young, Ben Simmons and all that. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll be uh, – I think, like most people, I'll be cheering for Luka Doncic and the Mavs to uh, win game six. But at the very least, we'll have a game seven on the weekend if the Clippers continue the, uh, the hobo sweep possibility here so we'll see that game's on tonight sort of getting into like a one game a night thing here we got one game on tonight got one game on saturday possibly one on sunday depending on what happens in that mavericks uh clipper series tonight and then monday night we know the suns and nuggets are playing anyway we'll be back on monday to break it all down thanks so much for joining us shout out to the stream team please leave your five star ratings and review on apple Podcasts. subscribe to us no on subscribe excuse me to no dunks on youtube and send in your question no dunks at the athletic.com all right guys We'll see you this weekend, actually. Hey, Lee, you bought some weird slip and slide that we're all going to go jump oh, on. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow at, uh, well, I'm going to call it my buddy Grisha's house because, uh, yeah, that's hey. where we're going. <laughs> Can't wait. Hey, order an ice cream truck, Lee. That'd be fun. No way. No Why? way. I can't trust them. I don't want that dirty old thing turning up. All right. All right. Uh, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, uh, in the words of Hootski here on the stream team, whoa, we're still live a couple <laughs> minutes ago, he tweeted. Yes, we do every show live all the way from the front to the back of this nearly two-hour episode. Thanks for sticking with us. And thanks for coming back, Hootski. Embrace the weekend, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.